Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It is a balmy Tuesday. Willkommen. And uh, it's Tuesday because Metro North sucks balls. And I forgot my laptop. You've been put on blast, Metro North. Figure your shit out. And I've been put on blast. And now we're going to put Mike on blast because Mike just forgets laptops on the day that we're supposed to record. Because apparently I'm not top of mind and neither is his face. So oh. instead we were recording on Tuesday. Now I'm not... The Lord's I like day. I like that we record on Monday. But Monday is my Family Guy American Dad marathon on TBS that I so much enjoy. So it was kind of nice. You're still watching Family Guy and American Dad? That's the, my, the, the TV shows that I consume... Is it 2006? And it's astounding that this is true, considering I sell television for a living. Is the New York Rangers, and then pretty much animation, and then that's really it. So, yeah, mine take is, that, nerds. <laughs> take that, nerds. Uh, mine is just sports, and then binge-watching series. Or so, I... HBO series, especially. Yeah, I watched... Westworld, um, I watch Game of Thrones, obviously. There's a few outliers there, but for the most part, yeah, I'm watching. I'm watching cartoons. Anywho, um, my name is Joe Fortunato. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Michael Murphy. And this is Bantering the Blue Shirts, a bi-weekly New York Rangers podcast. Now I'm going to hit the timeout button here, Michael. I'm going to take a pause. Pause. I was told today by a listener who enjoys the show, so... Not putting him on blast. That bi-weekly means once every two weeks. And yeah. he's correct. It I does. mentioned this to you. Bi-weekly a, also means twice a week. A long time ago, yeah. We've discussed this before. It means both. It does So you both. get paid bi-weekly. Or it means twice a week. So you get paid bi-weekly but not twice a week. So the show is bi-weekly. We do do two shows a week. So that's that. Or we could just say the show that we do two times a week. Who, why, the, how unprofessional is that? I mean, between you and me, I mean, the listeners don't need to know this. Sometimes we try and stretch these motherfuckers out. Well, this flagship is not going to be a stretched out flagship because we have a trillion questions. People are yearning for answers, Joe. They do, and they think we can give them to they them. They yearn. Which is a mistake. So let's uh, let's begin. Yeah. Let's, this, this show's taking off a little bit low. Let's... Let's fire this up. I'm keeping my tone a little low so that I don't wake my daughter up, so I'm expecting you to do a lot of the heavy lifting. Um, John John McDavidson. Good old Johnny McD. Okay? Johnny McDonald. Spoke about fixing Hartford. And it was a story in the New York Post. That's what we've been talking about. Yeah. And it was incredible. It really was. The... We have probably been discussing Hartford for two years now and I don't know what else to say at this point like how the Rangers let it get to this point how it's turned into just a disaster where the Rangers don't even want prospects to develop there if there is any more of a, an indictment on how much of a disaster Hartford was it was that it's very likely Filipino and Leah Anderson and Brett Howden spent their time either the full season in the NHL or a majority of it in the case of Anderson because of how much they did not want players down there. And Davidson said, and I quote, 
It's not only Hartford. We're adding developmental coaches so that when you're drafted and become part of the organization, we're going to be there for you. We're going to be at all of your games all over the world offering support. As we're planning, we're going to have three development coaches. One will be based in Europe. Of course, we're going to work with the cooperation of all teams involved. We're not going rogue as independent contractors, but we're going to be a constant presence, not just pop in for a game here and there. We want to build up the Ranger bloodlines from the time a player is drafted through his development until he gets to New York. We're putting a lot into this, end quote. That's just penis movement material right there, Michael. That'll move one. Yeah, it is definitely what we want to hear, and it also fits under this, uh, what you and I had been talking about, which is, you know, the Rangers have no excuse not to have this elaborate, all-encompassing, far-reaching organization that touches on these things, both at the NHL and AHL level. Things like an analytics department, things like developmental coaches, things like having those guys even there in Europe. Like Hearing that was like, oh, that's a great goddamn idea. Because um, there's going to be a lot of prospects coming up uh, you know, through European leagues. and It's that. also like a how has this not happened? Well, that's the other part of this, right? Like Thinking back about because uh, I've, I've been doing a little bit of work on, I know you know, I've seen it a couple places. Um, recently, one of my articles was, was accused of being boring um, because it wasn't an article about who the next head coach of the uh, Harford Wolfpack would be. And uh, I got to tell you, Joe, that kept me up at night. Um, but I'd, like, I've been doing a lot of reading and research into, you know, what where we find AHL head coaches, and you know, a lot of it when I was looking at it reminded me of this this pattern of people might forget before Keith McCambridge there was 10 years of Ken Jernander uh, and Ken Jernander who threw me out of the locker room once yeah and Ken was thrown out of the locker room by him Jernander was a captain of the Wolfpack um, or, or the I should just say the Rangers AHL affiliate because it might have switched over at one point during his playing career um, for something like seven or eight years. And then he had two years as an assistant coach, Joe, and then ten years as the coach. And and in his last two years as the head coach, McCambridge is one of his assistant coaches. Uh, McCambridge had actually been a head coach elsewhere in the AHL. And so, like, when McCambridge stepped in, we I was generally optimistic because, to be really frank, and this is not an indictment of the person, just an indictment of, like, the, the guy in the role, like anyone that wasn't Jernander was an upgrade, based on what we'd seen out of Hartford, like uh, including this season, so including the past two years where the Wolfpack missed it under McCambridge, the Wolfpack have made the playoffs on once in the last seven years I think, so very, very bad um, and uh, they had one year where, you know they did a decent job of getting deep, I believe, but it's been really rough um, in Hartford, and you know, really, you know, including the time where they were briefly the Connecticut Whale. Um, and looking at the decision to not bring back McCambridge and Joey Mormina was, I felt like okay, that cycle is over. But I really, really hope Joe that there's a lesson learned here about the perils of, of nepotism and hiring from within when, you know, the Rangers are an organization, we know they like to do favors for 
the guys, right? Like, think of Brad Richards and Brian Leach in these kind of, uh, you know, ambiguous, like, advisory roles and, you know, all the talk there's been about whether or not Mark Messier is owed something like a position within the organization, whether that be a coaching position or what have you, and, you know, Jeff Bukaboom getting a chance behind the bench as a, an assistant coach and then becoming a scout, you know, like, there's a lot there in terms of the Rangers like to kind of go and do those things for their guys. Even uh, Steve Eminger is a uh, is a scout. On well, this, this is a, <clears throat> a really critical point, I think, as we get to this kind of a conversation where who's going to be available for Hartford? Who's somebody that the Rangers are going to look at? So think I think outside the goddamn organization is what I was driving to. Like, yeah, and it's it's not a bad. It, that's not a bad theory at all, and there is a lot of evidence to suggest that John Davidson does have the wherewithal to go in that direction because he's done that before at bigger positions in Columbus, and it's fair to say he may look at what the New York Rangers have and be like, yeah, this needs a complete overhaul. So in my spare time, I put together a list of 31 AHL coaches and where they came from from my website. Oh. Uh, but yeah, my, my website about coaches. It's basically a cap geek for for coaches um you know this thing that i created myself and i found out that almost every single coach that comes from the ahl was an assistant coach in the nhl or even a head coach in the lower junior leagues only one guy michael you didn't know this only one guy came up from the echl i like how i fed you all this information before the show and you got it wrong um so (laughs) michael the majority list yeah the majority of current ahl head coaches Came, are, are primarily the position they had before being a head coach in the HL was being an assistant coach in the HL. They could have had other positions before that, but looking only at the most recent thing. So you're either, if you're an AHL coach, you're either an assistant from an AHL team, including possibly your own, or you're an assistant coach at the NHL level who, for whatever reason, maybe they're changing things up behind the bench or they... They say, you know, you know what, we like having you as a power play coach up here on the uh, the big club, but we want you to have the influence and kind of spread that message down to the farm team. So it's assistant coaches from the NHL and assistant coaches from the AHL. Those are the guys who end up being AHL head coaches by and large. Which does make sense because you want to run your own organization, right? So from an AHL standpoint, you have a good AHL assistant coach outside of the box hire. You bring a guy up, you're like, hey, I like the ideas that he's coming to the table with. Let's bring him up. He's the head coach. Great. On the flip side, you have a guy like Scott Gordon, right, who is the – right now he's the assistant or the head coach, I believe, of uh, Philadelphia's AHL team, but he was the interim head coach. Yeah, um, he had a weird little hiccup there. For Philly, yes, he did. But And that's a situation where he's looking to take over a program, in this case Lehigh Valley, and hoping that that will turn into an an NHL job. Sheldon Keefe is the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. He's the head coach in Toronto. He is looking for a way to get to the NHL. That's the yeah. way a lot of these guys go about their business. It's so, a springboard. The AHL head coaching gig is a springboard. In fact, when you look at uh, you look at guys who've been there, there are only I think it's only four guys who have held their role for um, five or more years. And in San Jose, Roy Summer uh, has been there for 21 years. So he That's really, insane. he really throws off the old average there. Um, I was looking back at it, like he's been the head coach of San Jose's AHL affiliate since they were the Kentucky thoroughbreds. Oh, um, what a great name. It's been, in other words, it's been a minute. Um, 
Like it's just been twenty one years. I was nine years old when he took yeah. over. Like Y two K was a thing when he was. Uh, he had to worry about that shit. Worrying yeah. about the lights not going on in the fucking arena. That's crazy. So here, let me. I also want to say this. There are names that have been thrown out. Um, like Rand Pecknold is a good example. He's the head coach of the Quinnipiac Bobcats. My Quinnipiac Bobcats. Guys like that probably are not leaving. Like, you don't leave the NCAA to become an AHL head coach, more than likely. He's not going to leave Quinnipiac to come, even though it is Hartford from Hamden. He's not going to do that. So you need to look for guys The who... Devils uh, in Binghamton, Joe, the only real recent example is Mark Dennehy left Merrimack University to be the head coach of uh, Binghamton, which is the Devils AHL affiliate, but you're right. Other than that, like it just doesn't happen. It really, there's no. Well, why would he leave? And, and yeah. let's let's kind of often twist they have this. like a sweetheart situation. Remember, like David Quinn. There's lots of like it would take yeah, a lot to offer him like away. a trillion dollars. Yeah, yeah, because it's a great. You're you're like a cult leader, but with you know without the annoying DEA all over you. Well, I think it's. Re- I think you've you've taken this to a new level that we were not prepared for. That David Quinn is some type of cult leader that makes them all drink the Gatorade or the root beer. What was it? Whatever. Kool Aid might have been Kool Aid. I think it was um, Kool-Aid. So I think that's where the terminology came from. But you know, what, if it's Kool-Aid. a hockey coach, I would imagine you would do Gatorade. For You'd the have electrolytes. To. You don't have a choice. If Let's, we're just talking sports science. Let's kind of flip the switch for a second here, though, on this, and just say that. The fact that John Davidson is talking about revamping from top to bottom the developmental process, because don't forget, David Quinn, especially last summer, he was doing a lot of traveling to go see guys play. The Rangers don't exactly have the greatest European staff, I guess, from a development standpoint, for him to be talking about it this way, that the New York Rangers, you know, that somebody could be drafted and not immediately be in the family, if you will, that somebody's watching a majority of their games and helping them develop and, and working with the team. He, he made a point to say that they weren't going to go rogue. It's astounding that we haven't been there. And part of the reason why John Davidson is here is to modernize this organization, right? To bring us into the 21st century where we can sit there and say, okay, this is how dynasty teams behave. This is how dynasty teams go about their business. These are the things that the Chicago's of the world, although they're not a great example right now, the Bruins of the world, the you know, the Penguins of the world, these are the things that they're doing. The New York Rangers need to start doing. And now they are, and John Davidson is getting them there. So I think that's an enormous step forward, and he hasn't done anything yet, and I'm already thrilled. He's bringing up analytics on his own. He's talking about fixing Hartford. He is talking about doing things the right way, but not passing on talent in regards to Panarin. There's just a lot going on here that you can really get behind, and I don't think there's been a better start to this marriage than what John Davidson and the New York Rangers have done. I really don't. Yeah, everything we've heard so far is really what we want to hear. It's a lot of not that it can necessarily go bad just, right away. Yeah, just it's it's tucking us in and kissing us on the forehead, you know, and just saying that every, everything's going to be okay. Yeah, you know, he's saying everything we want to okay, hear. Sweetie. There's a lot of, you know, he said, yeah, we want veterans on the AHL team, but we want the right kind of veterans. And, you know, just hearing that, it's like, yeah, you do need veterans on your AHL team. Just That just, you know, you, you need that to happen. You can't have a bunch of, you know, college free agents and, you know, kind of just... Guys, you know, you're Vinny Letary's in the NHL. You need guys there who can, you know, you need a Corey Conacher or what have you. Um, someone who's been around for a while or a guy who was with the Rangers at one point. Well, you need to like bring guy, back like, the, like a Chris and, Mueller. Remember him? I do. If you told me the New York Rangers were going to bring in veterans for the sake of development 
for the New York Rangers, I would freak out. If you told me the New York Rangers are bringing in veterans for the sake of development in the AHL, I would completely support that decision. And do, because the Rangers have no culture of leadership down there. They traded away really anyone who you would consider a leadership person. Um, Peter Holland was traded. Schneider was traded. Guys who had been long-standing, like veterans who, Ryan even if they were only with the team him. a year, yeah. were v- right. Ryan Graves were very good hockey players and guys like, who can kind of show these new kids the ropes. If you and put a letter on a guy in Hartford, he had a shelf life of a half season, really. But yeah, it's not a great look. And if you, you need to bring in some guys to show kids, listen, this isn't the way that you behave. This is the way that you go about. This is the way that you practice. This is what you do. You install that work ethic. You have a guy who's maybe 29 or 30 who's going to call out an 18-year-old on their shit. You need that in the AHL. You don't need it in the NHL. You don't sacrifice talent for a guy who can't play hockey. But if you're going to do it in the AHL, that's fine. But I I think another thing that the New York Rangers really have not done, and it's something that's really critical, and soccer does a great job of this, especially in Europe. The AHL team needs to play the same style of hockey the NHL team does. It's something Toronto does. Sheldon Keefe coaches the Marlies the same exact way that Babcock coaches the Toronto Maple Leafs. This way, when a guy does come up from Toronto or to Toronto, he knows exactly what he's expected to do. The New York Rangers have not had that because, quite frankly, it seems that they've had really no head coach who's kind of stepped in and taken that type of initiative. So this is a really big deal for the New York Rangers. And it's I saw a couple of people who were like, I don't understand why you think this is so great. Who cares? This goes so much deeper than just an AHL team. And don't forget, the Rangers have a slew of prospects and hopefully a slew more who are going to have to develop in the AHL. It's fair to say Shostyurkin might see some time there. Rikov is likely going to spend the year there. You will have Niles Lundqvist and um, Ke'Andre Miller probably need to set, spend some time there. Who knows about a guy like Lieber Hayek? There's a yeah, lot two or three years that the rides on yeah. that. You need those guys so, to get developed. That's the Right. You, the, you, you can't have this, we have to bring them up to the NHL or we have no other option. That, that just doesn't work. Not and for a Stanley Cup contending team. Like when I was when I was putting this together, Joe, uh, this article that it probably won't be ready um, uh, by the time this podcast goes up, but it should be in by the end of the week. Like, you know, the Cleveland Monsters won, you know, the Calder Cup. They're the uh, Blue Jackets affiliate, and like you, it's it's tempting to just say like, oh, JD showed up, they won the cup, hurrah, hurrah. But like, there's more to it than that, right? But the point, really, the point here is. You do need a way to get those guys from the AHL to the NHL. The Rangers haven't had that at all um, in the last few years. And if you look at, just look around the league, look at a team like I think Tampa Bay is such a great example from what they've gotten out of their AHL team. Like a guy like Yanni Gord, undrafted, proved himself in the AHL, and now he's a top nine forward who on a lot of teams might be, you know, a top six forward. Like, he's... That's a success story that you find through developing players the right way. Um, And you think of all the guys that internal talent on a team like, uh, you know, a team like Tampa Bay, that includes Vasilevsky, by the way. Like, there's there's so many success stories. And, like, you're listing off teams before. I, I really feel like all you need to do is to look at, you know, just a just three teams in in particular to me one is toronto 
because like the Rangers, the Toronto's the only team that has like pockets that are almost as deep as the Rangers. They're the second most valuable uh, NHL franchise. The Rangers are the most valuable. They have the most money to throw around and do whatever the hell they want with. And the difference between the Rangers and Toronto off the ice in terms of the money they're investing in things like development and analytics has been it's been a joke like it's been Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner lately like the Rangers are so far behind for no good reason and well, laziness it almost feels like maybe uh, it might be like it feels almost reductionist just to say it's laziness but really it's it's either a lack of imagination or a lack of competency to, to not put those things into effect how do you not even if the organization doesn't like if if you have Elaine Vigneault or or whoever the hell the the coach is and they just said analytics you know shove it up your ass I don't care why would you not have an analytics department like why would you why would that not be even like you have the resources make it happen because the Rangers think they're smarter than everyone else yeah and that's, and, and that's hopefully something that JD is going to come in and change because even though that's what got him hired you're not you're not yeah. You're not smarter than everyone else. So yeah. It makes me wonder, Joe, actually, to, to kind of tie back to something we were talking about earlier about where those AHL head coaches come from. You know, looking at, you know, it's no secret, the Rangers kind of have an extra coach floating around, right? We have Lindy Ruff and Greg Brown, who kind of share responsibilities for the team defense. And then you have David Oliver, who, with Brown, kind of shares responsibilities for the power play. We have a lot of guys who go from an assistant coach role in the NHL to the head coach role in the AHL, and that really, I feel like, on paper at least, from, you know, I don't pretend to know how the nuances of this work, but I would imagine if you want to instill that consistency between your AHL team and your NHL team, if you want your AHL style of play to match your NHL style of play, a great way to do it especially when you have an opportunity like the Rangers have right now, is Oliver and Brown have been behind the bench with David Quinn for a year, as has Ruff. But I just don't see Ruff going down to be an AHL head coach. Like, not in Would you want him there, though? I mean, that's really I what the question comes well, down to. Well, here's the thing. I'm, I'm talking more about what is likely to happen before what I want to happen. I think Lindy Ruff um, is not likely, nor do I want him to be the head coach of the Hartford Wolfpack. Um, what I think is more likely is one of David Oliver or Greg Brown, if the Rangers look from inside the organization. But I, I think it is more likely we'll see the Rangers kind of borrow, you know, from another team's uh, coaching staff. And, you know, I know there is some names out there like Marty St. Louis has been mentioned. He's currently a, uh, a skills coach, specifically a power play consultant for Tortorella and the Blue Jackets. The problem there is, beyond that, he doesn't have a lot of coaching experience, per se. Um, you know, there's a bunch of other guys who, you know, would be tempting. I know someone like, I think it's uh, Ken Klee is a guy who's been an assistant coach for for a minute now in the in the AHL who looked interesting to me. And there's a couple of guys who have ties to the Rangers, like, uh, you know, some some Rangers alumna um, alumni on other teams in the AHL. That might get a look, um, but not a lot of them have been around. Like one name, people always forget who's a Ranger, but Mike Knubel. Um, he's only been behind the bench for a little while as an assistant coach in the HL. 
Um, I think Good old Knoobs. I think with Hershey, but I'm not sure. Um, it slips my mind at the moment. But, you know, there are options there. And JD did say his priority is he wants this coach to be a great communicator. And NHL experience is mm. not a prerequisite, right? It mm. doesn't. That doesn't matter. So maybe I'm hoping that means it's going to be a diverse. Right. Pool. Maybe you do go outside the box. And that would be great because the other thing, you know, doing the research I did, which, you know, it, it wasn't like groundbreaking research. I just wanted to see what the trends were. Um, there were head coaches from uh, two WHL teams, two QM, QMJHL teams, and four OHL teams that, you know, recently, you know, and by recently, I really just mean, you know, like there's Joel Bouchard, who was uh, the GM head coach of Blainville, Boisbrand Armada. Boisbrand uh, Armada, sorry. And that is one of those hockey town names that I just cannot get right. Um, Joel Bouchard, of course, arranges alumni as well, Joe. But, uh, you know, he's been behind the bench of Laval Rocket uh, just for the one year. And then more recently, like, there's been a lot of guys who were just behind the bench for one year, and a lot of them are that assistant coach from the from the NHL or an assistant coach elsewhere in the AHL before they got the gig. So if if you're a fan and you're kind of curious about where to look for those candidates, that is kind of where they kind of generally come from. That doesn't mean that's where this guy's going to come from or or girl for that matter. It would be I think it would be really fun if the Rangers considered someone like Shannon Miller or someone from the world of women's hockey, but that's just my opinion. I just think it would be fun to have a very different perspective. Um, and also to kind of open up ideas and get new ideas, especially because I think there's something to be learned about the women's game. But again, that is just my take. Well, that's what it comes down to, again, not even the women's comment. I want new I want new ideas, for fuck's sake, Joe. interview everyone. Interview yeah. as many people as you can. See what you can figure out. There's no reason not to. Steal shit. I don't care. Talk oh, there's to people something I wanted to steal ask shit. you about. Ask. All right, bitch. so when I was looking at this, right, like, it uh, it occurred to me, one, that, you know, obviously Chris Drury is the GM of Hartford. Correct. He hasn't had the reins that long. But in the brief tenure he's had, things have gone, let's just say, a little squirrely. Like, I wouldn't say things have gone in a positive direction for Hartford. Yeah, I think you can make a case uh, he's been not the best general manager. Meanwhile, he was named the GM of Team USA um, for, you know, the Worlds. And to me, that was just like, oh, you know, they're okay there. But the other part of that that's interesting to me is maybe there's the USA Hockey Network that could be involved in this. Um, Specifically with Drury and his, his ties to to other guys especially because there's a lot of those guys who assistant coaches and otherwise who are in uh you know the ahl ranks now um but the other part of the show is when does this become like if we see the the turnaround in hartford happen a little slower than what we'd like when does this end up on chris Drury's shoulders here like when does this become his debacle I think the Rangers I, he like, inherited it. You're like I want to make it clear, he inherited the debacle. Yeah, but you know what? So he inherited the debacle, but debacle. Keith McCambridge was a disaster, and was the AHL assistant coach. No, yeah, that so was, he was that part was the of the really. Mess. That was you, the really you, hard thing for me to process. You traded Holland. You, you traded Snyder, Snyder. You traded Graves. 
who were three critical veterans for a team that Peter Holland was one of the better players in the AHL. And, like, you got pennies back for him. And I'm not... And also, uh, think of the goaltending situation in Hartford and right, goalie uh, absolute, coach stuff that Adam Well, and you know like. what? And, and we, we do need to be fair. The Rangers absolutely ravaged Hartford two years ago. They they completely ravaged them. The end of this year, they did too, but Hartford was already a disaster. It just feels really bizarre. It, and I, I don't know how much... I haven't been thrilled with the job that Chris Drury has done. I don't know how anyone could be. But by the same token, like, you're right. He did inherit a mess. But how much do you give him an opportunity to fix? Because some of the, uh, the mess that's going on there right now is of his own creation. They don't have any real leadership. They don't have this sort of, you know, the camaraderie that you would expect from an AHL team. They're not a competitive AHL team. Who are their best two players in Hartford at, towards the end of the season? John, John Gilmore, John who's Gilmore, gone. Who's about to leave. And then you have Vinny Letary, who... Famously ended Brendan Smith's 2017-18 uh, season in the AHL with a fight in practice. Like that's not an, like an indictment on Vinny Letary's character, by the way. I'm just saying it's just a bizarre. It's it's like that's not look. It, it's not it, on the resume. I think of who you want to be the next captain of the Hartford Wolfpack. I'm not yeah, sure. Hartford is a disaster, and there's no getting around that. And it is a big, it, it's a big fucking fish to fry for John Davidson. And I think, I I don't know if conversations have been had with Chris Drury. I would be shocked if they haven't been. But I would assume, but I don't know, maybe, uh, this and this is the problem that we run into continuously when it comes down to, you know, the New York Rangers, and hopefully John Davidson changes this. I can't figure out the logical path for some of the decisions that they make, for the things that they're thinking of. It's very difficult to follow what the Rangers really think. And maybe we will be able to follow that path of logic now that JD is there, but I don't know. Until that happens, I'm just going to put my hands up and say, right now it is 100% on Chris Drury, and I hope he fixes it soon, because if he doesn't, it's just going to continue being a disaster. Really, I just want to see what what we get out of the church of JD that we didn't get out of the church of Sather, because... Well, well, was Generally, anything happening in the AHL in the in the Church of Sather? Honestly, and that's why I think like the bar to me is so low. It's like when I when we heard about the McCambridge thing, my first instinct was, oh, he's a guy in his early forties. Hopefully, he has new ideas. Like it didn't even occur to me that he was still in his. He was part of the returning staff. Like he was a promotion from within, a guy who had, uh, you know, been kind of kicked around the AHL for a minute and was an assistant coach in Hartford for two years. And that's it's funny because as you know, Joe, like not the roster turnover in the AHL is really, you know, it's big. Like teams change dramatically because it is a developmental league for the for the NHL. It happens. Your best players will never stick around, generally speaking, right? Or I should say really like your most promising players will never stick around. Um, but it's also similar to coaching stabs. The coaching stabs like turnover really quickly in the HL, like you know, with the exception of uh, of Summers and uh, and San Jose, who's been there for two decades, like a trillion years. Yeah, there's just there's turnover there because it is a, like we talked about earlier in the show. It is a it's a springboard. It's a proving ground for ending up behind an NHL bench. If you prove it at the AHL level, like there's a reason everyone's talking about Sheldon Keefe as you know 
the next big opportunity for a head coach, his name's been thrown in the ring over and over and over again. And he's 38 years old, and um, you know, looking at you know the average age of the coaches in the AHL from last season, I did the math; it was 47. So, like, you know, not not super young. I mean, there's a like Roy Summer being 62 years old uh, definitely throws that average off a little bit, but. You know, there are guys who are older, and there are guys who are younger. Like, you know, there's a 37-year-old head coach uh, in the HL, a lot of guys in their late 30s. So, But kind of getting back to what I, was, what I was trying to say is there is that turnover. And I feel like the Rangers have never been good about finding the guys to fill holes. And because of all the, the desperate cup runs and and go for it, go for it, and you know, trying to figure out, you know, calling guys up from the AHL, especially, you know, after the fire sale, um, and just leaving, leaving the AHL to just be just a, you know, a sinking garbage barge, like, you have to replenish it, you have to get bodies there, and what have we seen happen, like a, a guy like Nicholas Jensen, who scored 32 goals in the AHL, bailed for Europe, uh, bailed to play in the KHL for a good reason, you know, he was a guy who you know, was a former first-round pick, and he didn't really get a chance to do anything on the Rangers roster and was in the AHL and then left because, honestly, what was there for him to stick around the AHL? Like, if he, if he, was, if he didn't feel confident about cracking the Rangers roster soon, he wanted the hell out of there. It's, we've seen it happen a couple times with players. Most notably, I think, with uh, with European players. And, and Guys like problem. Eric Glazov, if you remember. But that is a huge part of this problem, right? It doesn't get talked about enough. You need to create that environment, that culture that you were talking about earlier. You need to have a team that people want to play for, right? <laughs> and that's not been what we've seen in Hartford at all. And that's the big challenge JD has ahead of him. And, you know, finding the right head coach will is a big part of winning that battle. But... Really, just setting things up like those developmental coaches, getting the AHL coaches on the same page as David Quinn's staff, that's all stuff that John Davidson's going to bring to the table. And it need it needed to be here 10 years ago. It that it wasn't huge. here is sad, but, but at least we're going to get there now. It would be huge. Absolutely huge. Um we have a trillion and a half questions, so we're going to end the yeah. flagship show here. This was a good this was a good 30 minutes on Hartford though, which we needed. To yeah. Do. Um, Anthony Viola, Alex Gardner, uh, Panero in 2020, John Reppy, Eric Cohn, Matt from Brooklyn, Chris Lucas, Daniel DeGen, Michael Kanek, George Lippman, Guy from Montana, Joshua Zarkin, Jordan Sassone, Andy from New Jersey, Stink Fleeman, Keith Franchillo, Michael Scott, Johnny Lowe, Mike Offit, Michael Alasante, Trevor Kempner, Gabriel Vargas, Fancy Lawrence, Dan Carosi, Eric Carlson, Chris O'Connor, David L. Singer, Andre Chicagoff, Arch Williams, Bob Cower, Tall Guy Robert, Beezer, Chris Habibi, Craig Launchen, Loshlin. Craig, tell me how to say your name. James Dangles, Aiden Gaspar, Adam Nowick. Danny Santiago, Igor Zatlovsky, Thomas Osa, and Michael Silvers. Thank you all for donating. You're better than the people who don't donate. Um, Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Banter. You can come donate to us. That would be wonderful. And, um, yeah, leave us five stars on iTunes. Give a nice little uh, comment. Say you love us. And Tell me I'm smart and my articles are good. 
tell Mikey Smart and his his articles are good. And tell um, him beautiful. Tell him, tell him he's just the most beautiful boy. No matter what seen. they say, that words can't bring me down. Tell me that words can't bring me down. Oh, Mike's a whale. Son no matter what they say, and words. Goodbye.